Welcome inside a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. It's a day I've been looking for for a very long time. Chris and I have eight playoff matchups to discuss that begin Monday. We'll make our predictions for each of the first round series. But before we get started, Chris, my friend, how are you? We made it. We we finally made it, Stephen. You know, after all that we went through for a few months, like no NBA, yes NBA, and then we had the bubble, which... By all means, which was a fantastic experiment by the NBA, I I watched so much basketball during the day and at night. There was just basketball all the time. There's nothing to complain about. Now we're going to have you know another few weeks of meaningful basketball. What is there to complain about, Steve? We have everything. We have summer, summer of Steve. And what a finale too, right? With the Blazers getting that play-in spot really in the last few minutes of the game. They were trailing. They, they beat Memphis. And now they're set up to play a really competitive game against the, Bla- against the Lakers. Yeah, let's get right into it. Western Conference, you mentioned Portland. Let's start there. Number eight seed Portland versus the number one seeded Lakers. And Chris, these two teams played totally different in the bubble, where the Blazers were as hot as anyone and the Lakers were kind of cold. They didn't really take it as seriously as people would have hoped. But at the same time, as the number one seed out West, there was really no incentive for them to play LeBron and Davis hard. You know, Portland needed these games. And Lillard, you know, the bubble MVP, C.J. McCollum had a huge play-in game. And don't forget, Yusuf Nurkic, who missed an entire year, came back, and he's looking like the best center in the NBA. He's looking kind of like what Jokic looks like in Denver. He's an amazing passer, a guy who was, you know, double-digit rebounds in pretty much every game. And, Chris, this is going to be a really, really good series. I'm all in on this being a great series. It's this amazing offense in Portland versus one of the best defenses in the game with the Lakers. And Chris, I think we differ on this on this series, uh, but I'm still going to go with the Lakers here. I think Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron James are just going to be matchup nightmares for Portland. I don't really see who, who can really guard those kind of guys. You're going to be having what, like Carmelo on LeBron? Like that's not going to work. And then, you know, Who's like your Nurkic has been good, very, very good offensively. But like, I don't trust him to guard Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis can have a monster series. So I'm really curious your thoughts here. But I think the matchup situation is going to be a nightmare for Portland. And that's why I think the Lakers are going to use this series to get their off back in gear, which has struggled during the bubble time. And I think they're going to win this series in six games. Steve, I agree with everything you just said. I think that, yes, Portland's going to struggle defensively against the two of the greatest players in the NBA. Um, but I, I also think that we're a little bit – I think you're being a little short-sighted in terms of what the Lakers' struggles are. They have trouble defending on the perimeter. And right now, the, the Blazers' backcourt is one of the best in the NBA. They're the hottest team in the NBA outside of the Suns. Damian Lillard is on a mission. I – believe that he's the type of player that, as he's shown, he can take over a game. And really, I don't think there's anybody in the Lakers who can really provide any sort of defense that could contain him. Um, as great as Anthony Davis is, I don't think he's going to be able to, to guard um, Nurkic either. Um, and then at the end of the day, my thing with them is that the Blazers played other competition. So either they played poorly against the poor teams. They played great against the better teams. 
Uh, we saw that with the Nets. We saw that with the Grizzlies. We saw that throughout the bubble. So I I think all these games are going to be close. I do think it's going to be a game seven type of situation. There's no home. There's no away. Everybody's at the bubble. So once you put the home component out of it, I don't really think that the Lakers have a significant advantage. And it's not like a traditional one through eight where these one through eight were like the, the top seed is so much better than the eight seed. You know, if Portland had been healthy this whole year, I think we're having a different conversation about how the Blazers should be a top five, top six, top 14. So we can't underlook this. And as you've said, the Lakers have been struggling offensively off the bubble. You know, call it nerve, call it, you know, call it, you know, months away from basketball, whatever you want to, what do you want to call it? But to me, the Blazers have all the tools to make this a very competitive series and win it. Yeah, Chris, I, th- I think those are some fantastic points. I think in terms of the Blazers playing up or down to their, you know, competition, I think most of that is because having an elite offense and a horrific defense because you can score on anyone. So you look great against the top teams because you're in these games, but everyone can score on you. So all of a sudden you got Karis LeVert putting up 50 points or whatever on them and having these crazy games because you can't really stop anyone defensively. And for me, that makes games highly entertaining. But at the same time, you got to remember, this is a club that finished with the eight seed, you know, barely got over 500. I, I think the Lakers have a, a pretty sizable advantage in that their top two players are better than the Blazers top two players. But at the same time, the surrounding cast for me in Portland has really stepped up. Gary Trent, Carmelo, we mentioned Nurkic. You know, those kind of guys have really been effective in the bubble. Whereas I can't really name any Laker that's played well other than the two. Kuzma. Big, Kuzma had the game winning shot, but like right. trust him in this playoff series to give you a steady 15 points a game and not be horrific on defense because I don't. Yeah, you know, you're right. And that that. That is another factor in my decision, too, right? Um, I think that really you take, let's say, let's say Dame scores 40 and Anthony Davis scores 40. LeBron scores another 30. Nurkic scores another 30. Like, so then where do the other, com- where do the other points come from? That's a good point. Uh, you know, Danny Green's as cold as he's ever been. You know, Rondo's just starting to get back from his injury. You know, where where are these other points? You know, you're relying on guys like J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters who have not really been part of rotations in a long time. Right. And, like, as good as Deion Waiters has looked, like, you know, he's been months away from basketball. You know, hoopers are going to hoop at the end of the day. But, you know, that's asking a lot for a guy you just signed a few weeks ago. And I wonder if they can keep him on the court defensively, where you know these Blazer guards are going to go right after him and try to knock him out of the, out of the game. So right. we'll see. Uh, that's going to be a really great series. I'm really looking forward to that one. Let's move on to number seven, Dallas, against number two, Clippers. Now, the Clippers are a trendy pick to win this whole thing. But for now, let's start with how we feel about them in this series. Well, I'm excited to see how Luka and, and KP really manage it first. Um, playoff situation, right? It'll be the playoffs for both both players for, for the first time. Um, it'll also be the first time this Clippers unit will be together with, you know, Kawhi and Paul George. Um, 
But being that the Dallas Mavericks are so young, it's even Tim Hardaway. I, th- I believe it's Tim Hardaway's first playoff run, too. It's going to be the first of many playoff runs. I don't see them beating the Clippers. But the Clippers, it's funny, though. The Clippers have a lot more question marks in terms of, like, how the chemistry is going to work. But, you know, we also we always like to talk about, you know, who has the more talented players. There's no doubt the Clippers have the two two of the best players. You know, obviously, Luka and KP are great players. Um, but Kawhi is Kawhi. He'll take over the game both defensively and offensively. And the Dallas Mavericks have shown continuously that they can't defend. So I I see the Clippers really winning this in six six in six games. I believe. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go with six. I'm gonna agree with you. I think Clippers in six. Uh, this is gonna be a really fascinating series where. You mentioned it. How is the chemistry with the Clippers? I think this is a great opportunity for them to prove to the rest of the NBA and the media, the fans, hey, the regular season doesn't matter because they rested guys the entire year, including in the bubble. They finished with a number two seed and all of a sudden everybody's healthy. Everybody's ready to go. Everyone's pretty much back in the bubble. How do they perform when they haven't had those reps together? And I think this is a great opportunity for them against us. Uh, high-scoring opponent that's going to push them, can we get our offense flowing? And I think they're going to be able to get in sync. I think they're going to win this series in about five or six games. And I think playing Dallas is really going to help them for their next round series. So I'm going to take I'm going to take uh, Clippers here. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. And um, I, I think we're also aligned pretty much with this uh, Utah Jazz, uh, Denver Nuggets series. You know, the the, the Utah Jazz will be without Conley for the first two or three games because of the birth of his newborn son. And and not for nothing, but the Nuggets seem to be playing much better. They have a lot of depth. They have the best player out of both teams in, in, in Nikola Jokic. I just don't see how the Jazz can even take more than one game from the Nuggets in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Denver in a sweep here, Chris. Uh, we both love Donovan Mitchell, um, but I, I don't think – Rudy Gobert has been defensively as good as he needs to be this season. He's kind of taking a step back. Is that because they're asking more of him on offense? I don't know. But he needs to guard Jokic for the entire series, and that's going to be exhausting. I think they're going to have a lot of trouble doing that. I just don't know where the offense is coming from behind Mitchell because Bogdanovich is hurt. He has not come to the bubble. Who is that second score behind Mitchell? You hoped it was going to be Conley for a bit. Man, now you hear that he's going to be out for the first couple games of the series at least. He was playing a little better. You're going to need Joe Ingles to kind of be the guy, the second guy for Mitchell. And I, I don't know what you know. You you can't really ask 20 points a game from him. It doesn't seem fair. He could bring it, but for now, I think Denver and their really, really good defense are going to step it up, and I think they're going to take this series despite probably not having Will Barton and Gary Harris for the first couple games of the series. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I, and the Jazz, the Jazz haven't really erupted in this bubble. They seem to be see, the feeling the side effects of not, like, really gelling with the group in the last few months. And the Nuggets are on the opposite side of the spectrum. They're getting big minutes from Michael Porter Jr. He's looked incredible. You know, we've seen Bol Bol really more so in, in – in the pre-bubble, um, I just don't see how the Jazz can beat the, the Nuggets right now. 
I'm really curious to see this Utah bench. Who can give them scoring on this bench? You know, Jordan Clarkson can, but who else is really there? And I, I just don't know where they're going to get the offense on this bench to compete with a pretty good Denver bench, especially if they get, you know, Gary Harris and Will Barton back at some point in the series. But let's move on to Chris. This was the hardest series of either side to pick for me. Number five, Oklahoma City versus number four, Houston. Chris, I think this one's a toss up. Uh, I'm going to go with the Thunder here because I just think their three guards are going to be so tough to guard. I, I don't know who can guard Chris Paul, SGA, or Dennis Schroeder. You already heard that Westbrook is out game one with a quad injury. You know, if he comes back at 80% in this series, is that a good thing? <laughs> like, you know, he's going to be shooting his shots and trying to run the offense and taking the ball out of Harden's hands to a degree. If he's not at his best, this is a major problem. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of trouble with this one, even until right before we um, recorded this episode. I'm going to have to go with the Thunder as well, because quite frankly, I, I think that the Thunder just match up really well against the Rockets. Like the Rockets have an, the sorry, the, the Thunder have enough athletic swingmen who can guard the people on the Rockets. So, sure, Harden can score 50 points, 60 points, but even I don't know if his supporting cast can bring him over the hump. And I think that's where the problem's going to lie, whereas the Thunder have enough people who could provide that load and score enough in in points. Um, It's going to be a great series. I think there's a lot of narratives here that play out. Obviously, Russell Westbrook, you know, first time in the playoffs and the first team plays against are the are the Thunder, a team that he spent all of his career before this year. And then you have Chris Paul and him playing against the Rockets. And, you know, there was, like, something him and Harden had last, last the last few years. And, like, you know, basically Chris Paul was sent to OKC to die and burn. And he's, like, he's been, like, a, a phoenix and really brought this team to where it is today. You know, they, they really match his personality. They're pesky. They're fast. They're smart. And they just know how to score the right way. And, like, it's it, it was a really a beauty watching them the other night. And they're just so fluid on offense. that I just think that they're going to be too, too tough for the Rockets to match up. My X factor in this series is going to be Danilo Gallinari. And I say that because the He's way the Rockets play small ball, they're going to keep Steven Adams off the court. And it's going to be a guy like Gallinari, 6'10", 6'11", who is going to need to be playing a lot of center minutes. And I'm really interested to see how he handles that against a a bruiser in P.J. Tucker, for one. And you saw the Thunder all year. Their big Achilles heel was offensive rebounding. They really were rebounding in general. They were really struggling in that all season long, even with a guy like Steven Adams. So playing a smaller team like Houston, they're not not going to get exposed for this. So I think that's something that's going to be advantage Thunder in that their big Achilles heel, not getting those key rebounds may not matter if you don't need you playing against smaller teams anyway. So I'm going to go with the Thunder in seven. I think that's going to be a fantastic series. Chris, let's move over to the East. Some interesting matchups here. I kind of like the ones out West a little better, but uh, let's start with number eight, Orlando versus number one, Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I think this was pretty easy, too. I think the Bucks are going to sweep Orlando. 
I, I don't see how the Magic could even steal one here either. You know, the Bucks are the best defensive team in the NBA, and, like, you know, Orlando doesn't have enough offense really to, like, make a difference here. I don't know where it's going to come from, where it's going to really make an impact on – yeah, I, I don't see it. I just don't – this one's easy for me. The Bucks are going to sweep it. This is going to be one of those series that we talk about when I say, see, it's better to be a lottery team than be the eighth seed in the East. You know, because I think this is going to be historically rough for for the Magic, where they're going to be losing some of these games by 30, 40 points. You know, their best defender who would be on Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jonathan Isaac, out for the series, obviously, with the torn ACL. That really stinks. I'm curious to see if anything, how Markel Fultz looks in this. He's had an up-and-down season, but overall, he's looked pretty good this year. This will be his first, you know, real playoff minutes as, like, a starting player. So I'm curious to see how he looks, and I think the Bucks are going to put the, you know, pour the gas on, and they're really going to try hard to embarrass Orlando for a couple of these games to the point where you wonder in Game Three, Game Four, do they even play their starters? Do they play Giannis for a full game? Do they rest him up for a key matchup against one of, you know, Miami or Indi- Indiana in the next round? <laughs> Yeah, the Bucks are gonna steamroll through the through the Magic. I don't even think it's gonna be a competition. But that being said, the Magic stole a game from the Rock from the from the Raptors last year, and nobody counted them in last year. Winner, they don't even got him right now, do they? Who? Wasn't that DJ Augustine with a game winner last year? Oh yeah, you're right. I think yeah, you're right. So they're gonna need a new hero this year. Uh, let's go to number seven, Brooklyn versus the defending champion Toronto Raptors. Chris, Brooklyn's had a really nice story here. A lot of unknown players. You have Karis LeVert really emerging. But I think most of the bubble play has been because other teams are kind of coasting until the playoffs. Whereas most of these playoff teams took these seeding games as a preseason tryout practice. Brooklyn took this as we have a bunch of hungry young players looking to establish themselves as household names and i think now that you're playing a team that really needs to try i think this could get ugly and i i think toronto defensively is as good as they get they have guys who can defend all the you know the key brooklyn players so i'm gonna go with toronto in a five game series well i i i didn't expect you to say that because it sounded like you were gonna also say a sweep i also think brooklyn's gonna take one game but really because of Karis LeVert, I think he's an incredible player. I think he could be an all-star at some point in his future. I don't know if it's going to be in the Nets, but that being said, I think Karis is an incredible player. He might be the most talented player between both those teams right now. Um, you I know, don't know about that. I would, I would put Siakam and Lowry above him for now. But he could get there. Well, okay, if you wanted one of those guys to take your last shot, who would it be? Lowry. Okay, I'd probably go with Karis LeVert. Anyway. Okay. That's interesting. Um, okay. I know you're going to accuse me of being a Nets fan, but whatever. You are one, but okay. I am not. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I think I think Brooklyn's going to take one game. I think the Raptors are so well-coached and defensively, you know, impossible really to, to break. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's going to go five games. Uh, the Raptors are, are going to be my pick in the Eastern Conference. So, okay. both, wow. yeah. Uh, X Factor for me in this series, Jared Allen. Jared Allen had a big bubble. 
bubble a uh, couple of games here. But now you're going up against Marcus Saul, who is really good defensively. You have Pascal Siakam, who's also really good defensively. How does he break through, get key offensive rebounds that they're going to need to do to save possessions? I'm curious how he plays. And again, a big year for him because all of a sudden you got these big superstars coming back next year who want to play their boy DeAndre Jordan over him. You know, if if Allen dominates his series and keeps these games close, maybe gets the Nets to six, seven games, it's going to be harder to bench him next year. So I think this is a huge series for Jared Allen. Let's move on. Uh, Chris, this series is going to be fun. Number six, Philly against number three, Boston. This is a series we've seen the last few years. And Chris, this is Joel Embiid's time to shine. There is no Ben Simmons. This offense is going to flow through him. He has to dominate. His matchup is going to be like Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor. He needs to go for 35, 40 points a game. And you know what, Steve? And he can do it. I think the Sixers are going to take this one. It's really Joel Embiid's series. He has to take over. He has to be the MVP that we all consider him to be. We all think of him as a top 10 NBA player, and he really needs to show it. Um, I think there's always a lot of speculation that him and Simmons don't get along because of, you know, really because of what we perceive as them not fitting well together, and the results have shown that, right? They haven't really merged well together, um, and really it'll speak to the commitment of him if he plays well, it really bodes well for the Sixers for the team to stay as is with him being the centerpiece. If not, he's going to get shipped away. So it's he's in a way he's fighting for his position to be in Philly and and his on the hierarchy of the Sixers. If he doesn't yeah. perform well, then that doesn't obviously. I think the Sixers are going to have to look inward and maybe even trade him. But like maybe that's too early for that. But for sure, Brett Brown is on the hot seat. If he doesn't beat the Celtics here, he's gone. Yeah, I think for sure he's gone. Um, yeah, the MB stuff is interesting because we all kind of think that they're going to have to trade one of these guys at some point in the next couple of years. But we always kind of thought it would be Embiid. You know, you don't really want to trade the young guard who has the playmaking skills that we haven't seen in a long time, probably since, you know, young LeBron or, or old LeBron and, you know, Jason Kidd. And all of a sudden, if Embiid dominates this series, you can kind of go, hey, he's been the healthier one the last couple of years. He's the one who carried them further. We can just supply shooters around Embiid. And who knows how this team looks. So this is his huge opportunity, like you said, to kind of make him the number one guy in Philly and not 1A, 1B. So I'm really curious how this goes for him. In terms of the rest of the team, I don't really see who can really guard Tatum and Jalen Brown. You're going to put Matisse Thibel on one of them. He's a very good defender as a young player. But I don't know who's going to guard the other one. And I think those two guys are ready for stardom. This might be the playoffs the playoff year where they become not just all-star caliber players, but superstar caliber players, Chris. And I think these guys are going to be in for a long playoffs, you know, you know, couple of months here. And I'm going to go with uh, Boston in five games. Interesting. I'm going to go with the Sixers in seven, actually. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Last series, Chris, we've had some tension between these two teams, you know, Jimmy Butler versus TJ Warren, you know, number five, Miami versus number four, Indiana. 
I I think Chris, this is just the wrong time for Indiana. Sabonis is hurt. Oladipo is kind of working his way back. I really think Miami is in a perfect situation here to go a couple of rounds, and I'm going to take them and their superior defense against the banged up Pacers in six games. Uh, I don't think it'll be that close. I think the Pacers will be able to take one game, assuming Warren has this an, another incredible bubble game. I think it'll be five games instead of six. Um, I just don't see it. I think the the Pacers are a shell of themselves, really, without um, Sabonis really anchoring that offense. As as great as Warren is, he's just not going to have thirty point nights. You know, he might, he might, they're going to okay, fine. He might, he might against subpar teams in the bubble, but not against the heat. He, he might sh- still be able to have he, 30 point he, game. Question he struggled. Is- he struggled. He struggled. I think he struggled what to score more than 15 points last time they played. And that was what last week. I yeah. don't think so. he can't do it. It's going to be really interesting to see that. What I'm interested in is what happened to miles Turner. We kind of thought he was one of these on-the-rise, really good young centers, kind of like what we think of Bam out of And then, you know, you have him with Sabonis. You're not really sure which one's the future guy. And then this season, Sabonis takes off. Turner's left in the dust. And now Sabonis is hurt. This is Miles Turner's chance to show that he's a premier center in this league. You got the big money contract. How does he play against Bam out of bio? Does Bam just eat his lunch? Because if he does, the Pacers might not get any games. No, dude, let's not even go so far. Remember when, um, you know, he was also in the conversation between him and KP as the most talented big men, and along with Carl Anthony Towns of his of that draft. Yeah. Uh, um, found him as most improved a couple of years ago, and now you're kind of like, you kind of forget about him on this pretty good Pacer team, but they need him. They need him to be good, and they need him to not let Adebayo take over games yeah you're you're right um that being said i think uh yeah five games for me miami and it should be you know there's gonna be a lot of bickering but the heat are a much better team i mean i'm getting ahead of myself here but the the teams i believe that are going to move on these are gonna be very very amazing second round series we just got to get there i think the western conference first round games are going to be incredible and i think the second round in both the east and west are going to be obviously must watch tv so i'm really excited to get through all that and have more shows and talk about basketball with you my friend but uh of course let's get final thoughts here and uh i wanted to give a quick shout out to uh the phoenix suns who went eight and oh in the bubble chris and didn't make the playoffs they're kicked out not only that chris but mvp of the bubble damian lillard they didn't even give it to booker unreal yeah and and really we were all rooting for uh a Suns Blazers play in because that would have been amazing. Although not to complain, but the, even the Blazers Grizzlies finale was fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, it is what it is. Like had the Suns won maybe one or two more games during the regular season, this, this would be a different conversation, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I think this sets up the Suns to be a very, very interesting team next year. Um, we, I wouldn't be surprised if they would be in the playoff hunt next year. I, I think, as Monty Williams said, they really did gain the respect of the league, especially yeah. Devin, especially Devin Booker. You know, I think he's going to be talked about differently next year, and 
and I'm excited to see what that looks like. We're, we'll get to it when we have our very short off season in a in October, Chris. But I don't really see any Western Conference team that can't make the playoffs next year. Like I don't see any of them. Like they all could be good. And right, and, gonna, I, and, that, and now you have the Warriors too. Absolutely. Like I mean, probably like the worst team out there is what Sacramento maybe. You know, you want to say the the Timberwolves, but like those teams can come together too. So it's, it could go in any way next year. It's going to be one of the greatest West we've ever seen. And you always kind of think, oh, maybe the East is going to catch up. No, the West is insanely hard. And I really hope, you know, I'm disappointed because especially in the bubble with no travel, they should have just taken the top 16 records where Phoenix is in and, you know, maybe they have a punter's chance against Milwaukee instead of Orlando, who we expect to be rolling over in these games. But that's a problem for another day. Yeah. Uh, Chris, on this show, I have complained about Jim Boylan. I've said how insane it is that he still has this job. He does not have that job anymore, Chris. He was let go. And not only that, but the worst GM in the sport, Vladi Divac, also stepped down. And it's really fascinating that, you know, these were the huge weak links in these organizations the last couple of years. And I'm really fascinated to see where both teams go from here. Yeah. You know, what's funny, though, about the Kings, that it, it seemed like they were on the right direction. Um, but, you know, injuries, right, Marvin Bagley. And then you had the Buddy Hill thing, which didn't really pan out the way it was supposed to, because Buddy last season was on the rise. He was a very up-and-coming shooting guard who was shooting lights out from three. And who's to say, like, had the Kings make the playoffs, maybe this is a different conversation. There's uh, some a couple of reports of who might be running that organization. You've heard Sam Hinkie's name. I would love to see him have another chance, only for the fact that I think he's a very good GM, one. And two, it would be really interesting to see if he tries to blow up this Kings team, which the pieces don't fit. But there's a lot of talent on this team, Chris. You could see Buddy Heald move. What if all of a sudden they said, hey, we'll trade Marvin Bagley for something and see where he, he could fit somewhere else. I would be really fascinated to see how that goes. Uh, and then also, we heard Scott Perry's name involved. And we have Scott Perry, who came from the Kings organization to the Knicks. You'll wonder if they want him back. Could the Knicks get some draft compensation to, to make that work? Listen, I'll... I'll be very happy to send over Scott Perry and in order to get a draft pick, you know, really Scott Perry's tenure here has been filled with question marks. I'm not sure really what he's done here. Whatever the case may be, he is basically one foot in and one foot out. Um, it looks like Perrin might be the guy to replace him. So, it, you know, I it wouldn't it wouldn't come to a shock to me because he would he had links in that organization last year. Um I'd, I'd be okay with seeing him go. I have no problem. Yeah. It's tough to evaluate him because we're not sure which of these moves were his fault, were Steve Mills' fault. Did Jim Dolan overrule them on all of these things? We don't know. So it's really hard to say, hey, what like what grade you would give him because he has been here a few years now. But we're not really sure exactly what players, signings, trades, draft picks were his. So, I mean, if you want to – if you can get a top 40 pick – you can get the King's second round pick for him. I would do it. Sure. Why not? You have this great front office. You know, I think it's a good idea to have a guy who's been here for the last couple of years, especially in a draft that's coming up where a lot of these guys have not been looking for 
the top top five pick because they didn't expect to be in this position. But Scott yeah. Perry has. So I think there is value in keeping him. But if you can get something for him, I would I would pull the trigger there. Yeah. Uh, well said there, Stevie. And, well, we wish the Kings the best. And a very important day is going to come up for us, the NBA draft lottery. The playoffs really won't impact us. We're going to watch them anyway. But the NBA draft lottery is Thursday. And we hope that the Knicks finally get some luck. Steve, 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 you already said you don't want to watch it with me because you think that watching it with friends is bad luck. That's okay. I've watched it with friends every year for the last 10 years. They've never moved up. So let's try it alone, and then we will discuss it afterwards. So I'm very excited, Chris, on our next show where we will talk about how these first-round playoff series are going and who gets this first pick who should be that first pick? We will get into that. We have not really talked a lot of draft prospects just yet, but now that we will know the order after Thursday, it's going to be really fun to do that because it's not a amazing draft with a superstar at the top, but there's a lot of interesting guys who could change franchises. Yes, and hopefully one of those lands with the Knicks. <laughs> well said, buddy. That's going to do it for us here on All Hoops. Please enjoy the basketball this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Starts at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time Monday. And uh, check out All Hoops Podcast's new Instagram page. We're going to have some great content on there this week. And, uh, Chris, thank you so much. We're very excited to do this again in a few days. Yeah, buddy. Thanks to you, too. Uh, everyone, have a safe have a safe week and enjoy the NBA playoffs. <laughs>